Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. It's time for us to cross the Atlantic once again for our monthly catch-up with the National Federation of the Blind. Chris Danielson is there waiting to speak with us in Maryland. Chris, thank you for joining us. Thanks again for having us, Alan. Always a pleasure. Now, uh, we like to catch up on uh, some of the big issues over there that the NFB are involved in. Now, we're going to be talking about parenting shortly, but um, I'd like to catch up on uh, something we spoke about previously, Chris, which was the Washington seminars. Uh, They've taken place, but just remind us what they are. So the Washington Seminar is the annual gathering that the National Federation of the Blind has in order to inform the national legislative body, which is the United States Congress, about the issues that are of concern to blind Americans. Now, we do this each year, and each year the issues change a little bit, although there are some things that we're always working on, regardless of the particular year. But we always have particular issues that we're focused on and that we would really like to see action on in the current Congress. For those who don't know, a Congress in the United States essentially lasts for two years. So one has just started because at the same time we had the presidential election, which folks may have heard about, people elected their members of Congress. And the members of Congress in the House of Representatives serve for two years, and the members in the United States Senate serve for six years, but every two years, a third of them turn over because they have staggered terms and it's a 100-member legislative body. So basically, every two years, a new Congress starts. And what has just started is the 115th Congress. That's counting since the founding of the United States of America. And so federationists from all across the country came to Washington, D.C. to talk to their members of Congress, because, of course, members of Congress are elected from individual states and individual districts in states. So one of the ways that we've found that is really powerful to influence policy as it affects blind people is for blind people themselves to come and meet with their particular members of Congress from their state and explain what issues are important. And of course, blind people can inform those issues in talking to their members of Congress by telling their own individual stories about how these issues affect them. And so it's really a powerful tool, and we've had a very effective legislative track record over the years because of it. So we've just come out of our Washington seminar, which we started these probably in 1973 or 74. So the most recent seminar has now taken place. Were there perhaps one or two big topics that really came out of this or things that can be carried forward? Well, a big theme of the seminar was the concerns of blind students. We've talked about this before, that blind students, particularly in higher education now, also in primary and secondary school education, but we're very concerned that in higher education, blind students are not able to get the full benefit of their college or graduate education because The technology that is being used by colleges and universities is increasingly inaccessible 
to blind people. And it shouldn't be that way. Technology should actually make things more inclusive and widen the circle of participation rather than limiting access for blind students. But it doesn't always happen that way. So one of our big issues is to pass legislation that would set up voluntary guidelines for universities to follow so that they can make sure that their technology is accessible. And of course, hopefully what that will do is also cause the vendors of educational technology and educational materials to be more mindful of accessibility. So we did a lot with this in the Washington seminar. We obviously met with our individual representatives and senators to push this legislation. We also had a big student rally. There were over 100 students and other participants there, and we met in one of the parks that is part of the United States Capitol complex and had a big rally where students got up and told their very personal and powerful stories of how lack of access to educational technology and lack of timely access to materials like textbooks and other materials in accessible formats had really limited or jeopardized their participation in college life and the educational process. And we had nearly 30 students speak about that. So it was a very successful event in that respect. And it was very public and, you know, people could see us out on the lawn of the upper Senate park there and understand what we were concerned about. And so we also had a congressional reception as part of the Washington seminar to highlight all of our issues. And we really had unprecedented attendance at that gathering. It was only the second or maybe third time that we've done this, but we had 10 members of Congress come to the reception plus members of the staffs of various members of Congress. So it was a really successful event for us that we hope will continue to grow in future years. Very successful, and we'll continue to follow that as well, Chris. Something also which is quite interested to to bring up uh, this month was, again, it's an issue we've spoken about before, but as you know, you know things always change, laws, rules, regulations, or uh, certain issues, if you like, seem to be brought to the fore more often. And this is parenting, and specifically parenting for, for blind or visually impaired parents. Absolutely. You know, it's probably a universal issue, Blind people are parents, of course, all over the world, or maybe their grandparents or their guardians of children for various reasons, or, or maybe they even would just like to work in childcare or other professions where they're dealing with children. And of course, blind people have the capacity to be good parents and to be good carers for children, but it requires doing things a little bit differently. Anything from, you know, having your kids wear bells on their shoes so that when they're toddlers and first starting to run around, you always know where they are, to learning alternative techniques for making sure that they, you know, stay clean and 
you know, making sure that you are able to do all of the things that parents need to do to care for, you know, especially a small child, but even older ones. There are issues of how, as a blind parent, do you help your sighted child with their homework? How do you do all those things? And this is critically important, not only because we want to be a resource for blind parents, but because, unfortunately, all too often it happens that social service agencies don't understand that blindness really doesn't prevent a person or a couple from being good parents. And so sometimes children have actually been taken away from blind parents in the United States and probably elsewhere. And sometimes in divorce proceedings, which of course can be very nasty, one parent, even though they have been the sighted parent, even though they have known the blind person for a long time that they were married to and knows perfectly well that the blind parent is capable of parenting, will, in the custody fight over the children, decide to use blindness against the other parent and try to have the children taken away or the custody rights limited because of the blindness. So what we are doing in the National Federation of the Blind is we're starting an initiative to do several things. One is to connect blind parents with mentors who can help them learn the techniques that will enable them to be good parents. And one of the other things is to be a resource for blind parents so that they can learn about ways in which they can be more effective parents and deal with the special issues around blindness. So we have a website, blindparents.org, and our program is just in its initial stages. But what we are starting to do is to connect blind parents with mentors and also to post articles and videos and other pieces that will help blind parents really everywhere to learn what they need to know in order to be good parents, how it is that blind parents actually raise their children, and also so that social workers and judges and other officials will be aware of how blind parents do things. There's a specific piece of literature on the website that is specifically directed to those officials. We're also pushing out a piece of model legislation that can be passed by the various states in the United States that will better protect the rights of blind parents. And what that legislation essentially says is that a court or a social service agency can't just base a decision about parenting on the fact that a parent is blind or has a disability. There has to actually be proof that the blindness or the disability is actually adversely affecting the person's ability to parent. So just saying, oh, this parent is blind, he or she can't possibly take care of this child will no longer be enough. In, a, in effect, it raises the burden of proof so that it's harder to take a child away from a blind parent or a blind couple based on just the fact that they are blind. Well, Chris, as a, a blind parent myself, I can certainly say that, uh, yes, there are obstacles. They, they can be overcome, and uh, it can work extremely well. And if my children disagree, I will take away their smart devices. 
<laughs> well, uh, you, you, uh, congratulations, by the way, on being a successful blind parent. And, you know, obviously there are parents doing it all over the world. And as I think about this, while blind parents in the UK may not be able to participate directly in our mentoring network that we're setting up throughout the United States, we are going to be looking as this initiative goes on for videos about successful parenting as a blind person, for articles, for how-to pieces on meeting some of the challenges of parenting as a blind person. So everyone, I think, can get involved in that. And so we'll be keeping everyone up to date on this initiative as it moves forward. Chris, pleasure speaking with you. Now, if anyone would like more information on the NFB or would like to learn more about the seminars or blind parenting, how did they get in touch with you? Well, for general information about the NFB, we have, of course, our website, nfb.org. We also are available on social media. We are located on Facebook. You can search for National Federation of the Blind and find us on Facebook. Our Twitter handle is at NFB underscore voice. And we also have an email address where you can send us a request for specific information. And that email address is nfb at nfb.org. With regard to the Blind Parents Initiative, it has its own website, blindparents.org, and its own email address, which is parenting at nfb.org. Chris Danielson, great to speak with you. We'll catch up again next month. But in the meantime, thank you for joining us on RNIB Connect Radio. And thanks again for having us, Alan. Have a great month. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.